0: Welcome to the season finale of My Public Life as an American Nerd. I am your host, David K. Montoya. Before we get started, I want to apologize for missing last week. A lot of people probably don't know, but other than working on the podcast network, which consists of the this podcast, My Public Life as an American Nerd, we also have the World of Myth Bits, Shooting Straight, and Flashback Friday. So it's it, it takes a lot of time doing all those, you know. And also I run the World of Myth magazine, which is an online literary magazine. And my managing editor, Mike Lutz, finished his run, it was a year run, on the magazine last month. So I am going, well, I'm actually in the process of doing issue number 68 by myself. So I'm, I'm headhunting, getting all the talent, as well as doing the editing. Plus, we had two books that have come out. Uh, the first book is Stephanie Barty's Eternally Bound, which is a great book. Um, And I think male and female both will enjoy this book because I enjoyed it. Uh, my brother, who edited it, enjoyed it. And I think, like I said, it, it appeals to both male and female alike. And you can find that on Amazon. You can uh, go under search Stephanie J. Bardi and type in Eternally Bound and find that on Amazon. Also, we released. The World of Myth Anthology Volume Three. Now, mind you, these are uh, paperback. Well, the Eternally Bound is paperback and ebook, but the World of Myth Anthology Volume Three currently is just paperback. And there is tons of authors in that book. Uh, in fact, there's two stories by myself. Uh, let's see one is leftovers the other one is Alice and there's a poem at the end of the book that I dedicated to my late wife Lacey Montoya so you can go and pick that up as well on the uh, Amazon you put in the world of myth anthology volume three Uh, Or if you just want, I mean, there should be... Well, I know that you can also find Volume 1 and 2 also on Amazon as well. So that would be a good collection for anyone that is a literary fan. Because whether you buy all three or just one of them, um, it's it's a surefire gift. And I think people will enjoy that. So as you can see, kids, I have been extremely extremely busy and uh that's why i missed last week but this week i am back for the finale and what the finale means is that season three will probably start sometime in june or july and it will run again until december and essentially what it is is because it's a solo podcast. Um, I I do that way so I don't get burned out. And, you know, I I try to find things that we all like, but there's some things that I find that just really frustrates me. Uh, You know, I've been a comic book fan for 31 years. And, you know, a lot of things in the industry has changed. And it doesn't really set well with me, but because this is the show, And we have new listeners and new comic fans. I I try to present it as fresh material, exciting material. But in reality, there's things that we cover that just really frustrate me. And doing it this way uh, doesn't fall the same as like my last single solo show, which was Who's the Boss? Uh, I got up to like 40 episodes in that. That was at 41. And I just burned out. So doing it this way, I, I feel like it won't we won't burn out and we'll have, you know, enough. I mean, because there's just so much going on in the comic world that we'll be all, well, I'll be able to jump right back into it because there's so much going on. So let's go ahead and pull up our first article. We've got to figure out which one we're doing here. And we'll go with it. Uh, speaking of, you know, because this is the farewell show for the year 2018 and we'll be back 2019. Another farewell that caught my eye as I was looking through the news articles to try to find content for this week was um, David Mazoas, um, who played Bruce Wayne and the Gotham series. Uh, it says he bids farewell to Gotham after wrapping season five. And I admit, I, I fell off with everything that's been going on, and I haven't caught up on season I, four. I, I'm actually, I guess I'm two seasons behind. That's kind of a shame, because I, I really enjoyed... I know that Gotham got a lot of crap by people, but I, I personally enjoyed it. I mean, I know there at the end it was getting kind of weird, but I just looked at it as an Elseverse, you know, kind of thing. Uh, anyway, it says... Goodbyes are always difficult, especially when you're bidding farewell to something so essential to your growing up. Everyone in the Gotham cast has been open about their emotions as filming on the final season of the series has come to an end. However, it is different for young star David Moez... Maz Maz Maz's, M-A-Z-O-U-Z. I'm sorry if I'm slaughtering your name. I don't know how to pronounce it. Mazaz. Who placed the show's central character, Bruce Wayne? It says When Gotham first aired its series premiere of 19 or 19. Wow. I'll tell you where my brain's at. 2014. David was just 13 years old. Now, after wrapping production on the show's final season, the actor is just months away from turning 18. He's quite literally grown up on Gotham, with the cast and crew of the series by his side and most pivotal stage of his life and career. Goodbyes are already hard enough, but it's got to be even more difficult for someone like David who has spent the majority of his teenage years with the same people. On Monday night, David finally said goodbye as he left Gotham for the final time. The actor posted a picture on his Instagram of a fogged up window as he drove away. He wrote the word Gotham with his finger in the window along with the sample or a simple caption goodbye. And yeah, that's, that's kind of sad. I see the picture. Um, this farewell has been in the works since this summer when Fox announced that Gotham's fifth season would be its last. Knowing that the end was in sight, David spent the final season trying to live in the moment and enjoying all the time he, left. he had left playing Bruce Wayne. Jeez. What? What's it like going through this? It's hard, David told comicbook.com in October. I have this tendency to live in the moment. I've kind of found that about myself. So I'm not really like even through I tried to or though I tried to, which I don't often, even when I try to. It's kind of hard to realize that this is really almost it and I and we're really coming to the close and this era defining era of my life has almost ended. You know we just had our very last scene with in Main, Wayne Manor yesterday with Sean Perwe, which is just weird to think about because I had so many I mean probably spent weeks in there it's so hard and it's very nostalgic but again i don't know i'm saying that i feel like that's just the answer i'm supposed to give but really i'm just kind of living in the moment living day by day and i don't think it's really going to hit me until it's actually over if that makes any sense Yeah, it does. It makes sense. It says Gotham's fifth season, fifth and final season, will premiere on Fox on Thursday, January 3rd, 2019. All right. Well, I will try to catch up on season four so I can indulge in season five. I I think, think that's a good way... I'm actually I'm kind of sad about that because it was one of the favorite things that I've watched. I I mean I've I've always enjoyed Batman, and and over the last couple uh, more than couple it's it's been a while for since I've gotten into like the the, the new Fifty Two is where it all re, kind of rebooted for me. Speaking of Batman, um, it says here DC debuts. Detective Comics 1000 Variants by Miller, Lee, Capullo, and more. And I have the Action Comic 1000. I went out and bought it. So I'm going to have to go buy the DC Comic 1000. Uh, I don't know. That's... I don't know. I'll have to figure out what... I mean, unless it's all... Because I'm looking at this, and I see this picture. I see Frank Miller's work. Definitely see Frank Miller work. I see Jim Lee's work. So I don't know if it's a, a mashup of all these guys together for one cover. Interesting. We'll see what it says. It says Detective Comics reached its 1,000 issue in March 2019 and dc is pulling out all the stops to celebrate batman's latest landmark today the publisher debuted jim lee's wraparound cover for the issue along with a series of variant covers that track dark dark knight's history over the past nine decades each of the variants covers are a decade specific era showcasing how much batman has changed the variants trip through time start with Steve Rude's cover making Batman's 1930 era with a subsequent cover summarizing each decade following Tim Bruce's homage to Jerry Robinson's detective 69 to celebrate the 1940s. Mike Cho's covers of the 1950s. Jim Stinko Stanko, Stranko, sorry, covered 1960s. Bernie Wrightson, cover celebrates the 70s frank miller represents the 1980s tim Sells depicts the 1990s jock covers the 2000 and greg capello returns to batman for the 2010s variant batman is one of the most enduring characters in popular culture and his debut in detective comics represents a pivotal moment in comic and pioneered a new type of superhero that would appeal to every generation. DC publisher Dan Dito said in a statement, Batman continues to have an, an impact on entertainment worldwide. And the 1000th issue of Detective Comics is a testament of the creative genius of Bob Kane and Bill Finger and is fitting tribute to Batman on his 80th anniversary. And then down here it says, take a look at the variant covers below. Check out, check back. Um, You can go to CBR.com for this. uh, Since after this, you won't hear much from me. So uh, go to CBR.com in the weeks ahead for more news on Detective Comics Landmark Celebration. And there we go. As we scroll down. Okay, that, that looks more like... Oh, I see a mish posh again of. But see, some of his stuff really looks like. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm seeing the different. Covers, that is a pretty cool. That painted cover is bad. I might get that one from Rude. He did that. And then someone did the 60s, which. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's Cho, but I mean, it, it represents Batman of the 1960s and then the 90s with Wrightson. I think that was who it was, right? Yeah, these are good. These are really good. Of course, Frank Miller. Yeah, these. You can go to CBR.com and see these. um these are really good, really enjoyable. So I'm actually looking forward to, to seeing what we have as far as the, the storyline for Detective Comics 1000. I'm kind of curious to see because it just talks about the, the covers, but it doesn't really say anything about the story. And, of course, Greg Capullo. Uh, He just, he's one of my favorite artists. He, uh, I know a a good friend of mine, Mario Martinez. He's, he enjoys, that's his favorite artist is, is Greg Capullo. Uh, I actually followed Greg when he was doing, um, X-Force in the 1990s. That's where I first found his work. And then of course he went off to go do the span the span. Good Lord. I'm just like not talking well today. Am I? he went off to do spawn and yeah. So I'm, again, I'm looking at this cover. I see Batman. This is uh this is Jim Lee's Batman. He's got Joker in a headlock. He's got his boomerang attached to a cable wrapped around the scarecrow. Bane's knocked out on the ground. And Robin, who is Damian Wayne is on top of him. There is just so much going on. So I wonder if it's like a big old knockdown. Um, In the background, there is the Catwoman with the Penguin in a headlock. I see the Riddler in the background tied up. I think he's tied up. I can't really tell. Uh, I see Nightwing standing over by Alfred. I don't know who that is in the background. I'm not familiar with that character. So there's a lot of going on in the background. I'm trying to decipher if there's, you know, anything into the story itself. And I, I think, I think that it is. Uh, then uh, I just realized as I scrolled down a little bit more, there's Two-Face and he's hanging over one of the screens, the monitors in the Batcave. Oh, they're all inside the Batcave, by the way. And I don't know. It looks like there's going to be some type of melee Inside the Batcave. That's what I'm getting out of this cover specifically. Is that there's something that's going to happen here. Okay. What else do we got here? Let's see. Let's go ahead ahead and move on. I apologize. People are are inconsiderate as I'm recording. And they're making lots of noise. So I, I do apologize for that. If anybody's actually listening to this um let's see let's go ahead and move on here we're going to do a little bit of uh wrestling news um it says wwe bray wyatt on twitter this is goodbye we haven't seen bray wyatt in months but according to the latest batch of tweets we'll never lay eyes on him again wyatt is no stranger to the cryptic social media posts but this tweet at least makes an effort to appear sin- uh, sincere. Maybe Wyatt is ending the non-wrestling character, or maybe he's setting up for the birth of a new WWE character, the eater of worlds we simply do not know. I have so many things to fix. I realize that I was sick. My mind doesn't work like other people's. It gets lost and attached to ideas that are unrealistic and poisonous. My next journey will be to find my true calling. This is goodbye, he wrote. Bray Wyatt. Uh, Let's see. Then it actually has a tweet down here. It says the same thing. Uh, But actually, yeah, true calling. Down there it says, this is goodbye. So I'm I'm kind of curious. You know, people don't realize this, but he's the son of uh, Mike Rotunda, who is, he ended up being popular for his character IRS, Irwin R. Scheister, back in the 1990s, him and the Million Dollar Man. And uh, what were they called? Money Inc. or something like that? But yeah, he that's his kid. So I'm kind of interested to see where this goes it says Wyatt followed up with the tweet with another that carried closing notes to all that have loved and supported us we thank you so and it says and ask that you have faith in us i was put on this earth to fix it to change it and i will not die unless this is so goodbye my brothers and sisters the journey is far from over Tweeted Wyatt. Uh, I don't know. That sounds like he's going to revamp his character, maybe. It says, so how do we unpack this? Well, it may not even be worth trying. Wyatt seems to enjoy posting Twitter puzzles like this as he used odd messages to stir up the WWE universe on several occasions. Wyatt hasn't appeared on WWE television since the summer before his lengthy hiatus. He was teaming with Matt Hardy in one of the WWE's most memorable pairings in recent years. However, the aging Hardy needed to step aside to heal up and Wyatt has been floating in non-existence ever since. Uh, he did wrestle uh, Baron Corbin during a surprise appearance at Starcade on November 25th. Now, as a wrestling fan, I see an inconsistency and in something that's just not correct. So, let me go ahead and fix that. Matt Hardy is finished wrestling. He's not coming back. In fact, you know, because it says for him to heal up. He, because I guess he he did so many of the... Um, the extreme hardcore stuff, you know, jumping off ladders and all this weird crap that they did back in the the early part of 2000, his spine, I guess, is starting to fuse together from the pressure or something like that. Um, Even though I I have a degree in math and science, to me, it doesn't make really much sense that that sounds more like something congenital, but you know, I don't know, but um, let's see. I don't know. It's just, but it's, it's incorrect. Um, he's not coming back to heal up after he heals up. That's just something that he's not coming back from. So, you know, there you go. It's, uh, I don't know. As a wrestling fan, to me, this sounds more like, uh, kind of a a thing that he's doing to hype a new character or modified character, but I, I don't think he's, Ending his run as Bray Wyatt anytime soon. Um, We're not. I said that wrong. He might be back as a different character. But uh, for him himself. I don't think he's finished wrestling. That's what I was trying to say. Uh, What is his name? I'm trying to remember his real name. Um, Because like uh, Barry Windham. I don't know if you guys remember him. He was, um, well, back in the 80s, Mike Rotunda and Barry Windham were tag team partners. And I guess, I think it was Rotunda married, uh, Barry Windham's sister, I believe. And, um, that's where, it, okay. Anyway, it his name is, his actually, his name is Wyndham uh, for that reason, you know, from the Wyndham family. Wyndham Lawrence Rotunda. That is Bray Wyatt's real name. I actually took a minute to look it up. And he was born in 1987. So he's only 31. He's a young guy, but he looks a lot older than what, um... Yeah, he's only 31. That's He's actually, yeah, he's pretty young. There you got it. Okay, let's see. What else do we have in this fun-filled final? Oh, see, I was like on the f- but I can't think of. Uh, I should have said finale instead of final to keep it going. Fun-filled finale. There you go. Okay, let's see. Where do I want to jump next? Da 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 da. Uh all right. How about <laughs> all right? Let's just get through this and then I'll 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 give you my thoughts on on everything about this. It says Marvel debuts new costume for Blade. And yeah. It says, Blade is the newest addition to the Avengers, and it's fitting that he would get a new costume as a result. The newest Avengers edition is featured prominently in the upcoming War of the Realms, which will run across Avengers, as Guardians of the Galaxy, and Thor. Marvel released several new covers for the event, and two of them feature Blade in the spotlight. The new covers reveal Blade's new costume, which is sleeker, in previous versions, and seems more modernly armored. Let's see. It says he's ditching his trench coat, but remains the uh, retains the sunglasses this time around. And instead of having bare arms, he's fully covered from neck down with armor. His sword and silver stakes are also at the moment at moment's reach. And his belt is bulkier, the heavier pouches ready to hold all of his fancy vampire hunting gadgets. Okay. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Just keep reading. <laughs> it says you can check out the new cover in the official description for the event at Marvel.com. Okay, and I'm looking at a picture of him. Okay. Uh Uh-huh. So it says, The War of Realms is coming, and no corner of Marvel Universe will be untouched. But before the award-winning creative team of Jason Aaron, Russell Duterman, and Matthew Wilson usher in this epic event... Marvel invites you to journey on the road to the War of Realms with some new, or with some of the universe's biggest heroes. Hmm. Okay, so what else? It says join the Avengers as they battle the undead who are vying for the title of the new Lord of the Damned. Hop into space with the Asgardians of the galaxy as they encounter Ego, the Planet, the Living Planet. And in the final prelude to the War of Realms, prepare for the invasion of Thor and Lady Freja, I'm probably saying that wrong. Sorry, guys. As they fight to keep Midgard safe from the initial strike of the Dark Elves. Okay. Interesting. It says, War of Realms will kick off... Across three books and more information can be found. Uh, let's see. Avengers 16 written by Jason Aaron. Cover and art by David Marquise. And 17, Avengers 17 is written by Jason Aaron as well. Same people, David Marquise. As Guardian of the Galaxy number seven written by Colin Bunn. Mato Bafengi. And cover by Jamal Campbell. Thor, number 11, written by Jason Aaron. Lee Gerbit for art. Cover done by Mike DiLamundo. So what do you think of Blade's new getup? Okay. Well, number one, I don't get why they're making... Why? Okay. Number one, I don't, let's just say this. I don't get what Marvel's doing right now at all. At all. I don't get it. Um, They're making Blade part of the Avengers, which doesn't make sense to me because Blade doesn't fit the criteria. I mean, he's a vampire hunter. He, I mean, I'm trying to remember because of the Night Stalkers. I remember the Night Stalkers back in the 80s or 90s. I'm trying to remember if there was a tie-in in in the actual comic book. Or am I confusing it with the movie? Because I know Blade Three, they had the, the Night Stalkers. Because I remember Ryan Reynolds being in it. And I believe that was Ryan Reynolds' first comic book movie. But I don't know. I just don't feel like the character that... Okay. Number one, the whole Dark Elf, Vampires in the Avengers does not make sense to me it does not make sense um because that's very fantasy based avengers is action adventure so it just doesn't make sense to me so there's that and then it's it's like okay they got rid of the trench coat to me the first thing i, I think of because i i've had my fingers and and drawing a couple comic books. I, I'm not saying I'm uh, anything. I, I'm just saying I've drawn comic books. And anytime you omit something. That from the original design. That means that you have a hard time drawing it. Or you can't draw it. Uh, kind of like how Rob Liefeld always took out the hands and the feet. you never seen the hands and the feet in, in most of his drawings. Because he just couldn't do it. So... To me, when I see Blade without his trademark trench coat, that tells me that the artist can't draw a trench coat, and that's that's just where I go. And again, it to me, it just doesn't look like Blade without the trench coat. And and it's 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 nice. I mean, it's they try to give him a, a superhero look. Now that's another thing I should bring to. Point is that blade is not a superhero he's a vampire hunter he's half vampire and he you know he just again he does not belong in the avengers it just doesn't fit and i'm looking at the cover okay and i see that i see blade in the front so are they going to make him like the leader Or what? I don't know. That's weird. And I see Captain Marvel in the background, and I know she's all big shot now. Uh, But, you know, back in the day, she used to be just a – she wasn't – she was a B character at best. And then in the back background, we see Thor. And we have She-Hulk, which is actually in front of Thor, which kind of boggled my mind. Because, again, She-Hulk – Uh, I thought she died. I don't know. I don't remember. And then in front of her is. uh, I think that's Ghost Rider. Kind of not looking like Ghost Rider. Kind of looking weird. And then in front of him is Black Panther, which the way he's rendered kind of reminds me of Batman, which uh, I don't know. And then over next to him, who's in front of Captain Marvel is uh tony stark and steve rogers captain america and iron man so it's just like i don't know guys it's it's mish posh it it just doesn't it doesn't fit and then the as guardians of the galaxy i i get the joke haha you know as guardians but what happened to the guardians of the galaxy and I'm looking at these characters, and I don't even know who they are. I I just to be honest with you, I have no clue. Uh, I know Angela uh, because I I read Spawn back in the '90s, so I know her, and and I know that she she got her rights got bought when uh, what is it the early part of 2000s. But other than that, I don't know any of these other characters. So there you go on that. Don't know. There's a frog that's dressed up like Thor, which is weird and then we go down to thor's cover and uh thor has a different type of hammer and i I guess uh from what i understand uh i was actually talking to uh mike mike lutz about this this weekend and uh, he was talking about how i guess there's different hammers but they're not that good so he's like going through these different generic hammers it's really weird um and then there's a cat being up front growling i don't know who that is i don't know who's in the background uh, let's see i think that's all the covers yeah i believe so yeah that's all the covers so there you go um i don't know i just I, it's uh i don't know i i don't know it You got me. You got me. You do. You got me. Okay. And as we roll into the finale. It says Marvel's Weapon X just made the X-Men change we've been waiting for. I hate changing the X-Men. <laughs> it makes me nervous. I'm like. Ah. So in this picture, it's a beautifully painted picture. Um, it's. Sabretooth, and if i had to guess i think it's m who's behind him maybe i don't know and she's hugging him so let's let's see what this says i'm, I'm always nervous it says spoiler warning the following article contains major spoilers for weapon x number 27 uh and it's from greg pack who is just an amazing amazing artist So, let's see. Uh, Okay. A lot of ads in this one. Okay, here we go. Got to the, through all the ads. It says, throughout the X-Men's history, there has been numerous villains to set atop the list of most despicable of, of the lot. Apocalypse, Mr. Sinister, Cassandra Nova, the Dark Phoenix, Juggernaut, the Sentinels, and of course Magneto are a few of that come to mind but there are there's one particular rabid and vicious enemy in the bunch as well Wolverine's arch nemesis Sabretooth Not only has he been a thorn in the X-Men's side he's also feuded with the Avengers from time to time of course All that changed with Axis, an event which turned Victor Creed into a hero. Uh, Let's see. Alice, uh, uh, Alias, sorry, duh. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Uh, In Weapon X number 27, his days of redemption are over. As reverts to his villainous instinct once more. And then there's a close-up side view of Sabretooth, And he's like, Harn. Harn. What the hell is Harn? Sorry, I said hell. Um, Still within the PG-13 realm. Uh, Let's see. Finally free that thin cloak of mortality and humanity. You've tried so hard to pull around your shoulders. Go, my son. And then he runs off into the forest. I don't know who's saying this. Recently, Sabretooth has been going through an emotional roller coaster with his evil persona growling at his soul like a drug addict. It's like a Jekyll and Hyde syndrome, but he's managed to subdue it. Nonetheless, he felt... It at ticking time bomb. One which has been in the back of his mind since access. He was one of the few villains, turned hero, who didn't have the inversion process reversed. So Sabretooth tried let's see, sorry about that. Something just popped up in my way of reading. So Sabretooth tried to pay atten- or pay tribute to his former nemesis Wolverine by becoming the opposite of what Weapon X wanted him to be, a hero. And he joined the Avengers Unity Division, partnered with Old Man Logan to shut down Weapon H Project, and teamed up in this book with Domino, Deadpool, Mystique, Monet, oh I was right, it was him, Death strike and Omega red in order to protect mutant kind from those who want to want them dead. Now it's a mission with the latter group known as weapon X-Force that proves to be Sabretooth's downfall. Interesting. You know, I I really liked it. Was it? Um, It's been about 10 years now that the incarnation, the last incarnation of X-Force when they had the black and gray costume. Oh, I, I really dug that. Uh, anyway, it says after finding out Reverend Stryker made a demonic pact and leveled up in power, Weapon X Force attempted to stop his cult in a lair uh, in Aspen, Colorado. Stryker's being aided by the powerful mystic Mentello. Mentello. Min Mentolo. It's mental and L O Mentolo. And even after the squad kills Stryker's physical form, his followers find a way to resurrect him. They sacrifice themselves in a blood ritual. After a while, Sabertus Posse enters hell thanks to the demon Azel Azazel, sorry, so they can kill Stryker's soul there and stop. The revival. He can't kill a soul. That, yeah, that, that, yeah. (laughs) All right. Sadly, Victor finds his son Graydon in hell and wants to save him too. His instinct, he are he, yeah. His instincts, the team to head back to the real world to stop the ritual while he tries to bring Graydon out. In the end, though, Sabretooth is forced to leave his son behind. He does so, but Mentalo uses his full range of psychic power to unleash the real Sabretooth. When the feral being tries to kill Mentalo, though... He falls into a murderous machine meant for the sacrifices, and his soul descends into hell due to the villain's past misdeeds. On his way down, just as Stryker gloated as he passed him by, Sabretooth decapitates the preacher. When or excuse me, we then realize Sabretooth's actually sacrificing himself As a part of a deal to ensure Graydon's soul re-enters the land of the living. And so Graydon is found by Weapon X-Force right after Deathstrike kills Mentalo. And the entire cult disbands. Okay. And it's showing him. But it doesn't feel like a victory without the leader who now is a mindless beast again in Azazel's presence, not interested in this version of Sabertooth. He opens a portal to hell and allows him to return to the snowy wilderness, eager to see Victor shed blood as a villain once more and earn his way back to hell in an even nastier bloody way. Okay. It's sadistic on Azazel's part, but it's sure to create an interesting dynamic for all those who recently worked with Sabretooth as a hero. From the X Men to Magneto to the Avengers, and of course the Weapon X Force. It seems likely Graydon will try to use them to rescue him, but with Wolverine Resurrected 2. They better make a move sooner rather than later. Okay. Um, I don't know. I I really don't have much thoughts on that one. It's, um, I don't know. It's it's a tricky thing when it comes to the dead and souls and hell and, and all that. It's just, I don't know. It's, it's a tricky thing. We'll see what happens. All right, kids. This is my last article of the season for season two. And, of course, it's an X-Men thing. So let's go ahead and see what it says. It is a major X-Men relationship just changed forever. Mm. I love how they're changing things, don't you? Okay, uh, of course, I have to say, warning, the following article contains spoilers for Uncanny X-Men number five. I don't know what version or what edition this is. Um, There's been so many I've lost track. So just say Uncanny X-Men number five, 2018, because it doesn't say what volume. It says more than almost any other super team, the X-Men are built around relationships with a deep bench that includes dozens of major superheroes and hundreds of second-tier characters. The X-Men mythos also serves as the backdrop to some of the most long-lasting romantic relationships in Marvel Universe. While Marvel's mutants' more romantic moments usually involve Rogue and Gambit, some combinations of Wolverine, Jean Grey, Cyclops, and Emma Frost the relationship between another major ex couple, Angel and Psylocke, just changed forever. While the two X-Men were attending a political rally together in Uncanny X-Men number 1, Angel was seemingly summoned in the middle of a riot, an unseen force. A few issues later, he returned as the seemingly brainwashed Horseman of Salvation, a servant of the would-be. Savior, former X-Man, and ultra-powerful telepath, Nate Gray. In Uncanny X-Men number 5, Angel and the other horsemen are fighting a small group of X-Men. In a desperate attempt to free her on an off-again romantic partner from Gray's control, Psylocke attacks him with a telepathic sword that represents the focused totality of Of her psychic power. But instead of restoring Angel's mind back to normal, Psylocke's blade transforms him into Archangel, his vicious, blue skinned alternative persona. While he tells Psylocke that she's ruined him forever, Only time will tell how permanent Angel's transformation back into Archangel will really be. However, even if it ends up being undone swiftly, the moment still marks a significant boundary crossing of the two characters with complex and oddly similar histories. Hmm. How? How, 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 how does he switch uniforms all of a sudden with the second blade? <laughs> uh, yeah, good God. Uh, he goes from having the the whatever he's wearing he's got a bare chest and straps and a shoulder pad and all that crap to the archangel that we know you know with the whole full body costume and yeah how how did that happen oh goodness and his hands are normal color by the way uh, just his face is blue that's interesting okay let's, let's just keep let's just keep reading We'll just keep reading. Before they joined the X Men, both Warren Worthington III and Betsy Baddock, however you want to pronounce it, grew up in worlds of generational wealth and privilege. Before joining the X Men, both mutants already had a uh, superhero, superhero career of their own. Warren briefly worked as a solo hero called the Avenging Angel, and Betsy helped out her brother, Captain Britain on his superhero adventures while the high flying event the yeah high flying avenging angel was one of professor xavier's original x-men in the 1960s the telepath psylocke was one of the team's core members through the 1980s during their stints in the x-team both angel and psylocke went through dramatic physical and mental transformations that turned them into twisted reflections of themselves. Shortly after the ex-villain Apocalypse debuted, he transformed Warren into Archangel, the Horseman of Death. With this transformation, Angel traded his feather wings for a pair of razor-sharp metal wings, blue skin, and the savagery of a supervillain. While he eventually overcame Apocalypse's programming, Warren has struggled to control the Archangel Kwasana for decades. On a similar note, Psylocke was transformed by Masutsu and the Hand. In a controversial storyline, the mind of Betsy was placed in the body of Corwin, a Japanese assassin. Although she quickly overcame the Hand's brainwashing, she accumulated her to using newfounded ninja skills, psychic blade, and a more aggressive killer instinct over the several years. After both of the X Men became more famous in their post transformation forms, Angel and Sock began their on and off relationship in the 1990s, where both were members of the uncanny X Force. Their relationship came to a head when Rick Reminder marked. Brock's and Jerome Alfinia's Dark Angel Saga. To stop the villainous Archangel from killing the world, Betsy attacked him, apparently fatally, and telepathically gave him false memories of growing older. While Warren survived Psylocke's attack, he left the temporary amnesia and struggled to control his Archangel persona after that. Earlier this year, the recently revived Professor X gave Warren complete control over his Archangel persona. Not long after that, Psylocke transformed her mind into a new version of the original Body 2. Although both X-Men were in place of relative stability for the first time in years, any chance of reconciliation were shattered when Archangel or Angel, fell under Nate Gray's power. In an effort to restore the man she once loved, Psylocke unwittingly unleashed Archangel. In doing that, Betsy may have very well shattered the peace that Warren had been seeking out for most of his adult life, and she'll have to live with the consequences of that potentially unforgivable action. While it's not clear how long Archangel will stick around, or how Betsy will respond to this present and harsh claim. They both continue to appear in Uncanny X-Men. Which will be released weekly. By Marvel. Alright kids. I I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I just. I, I grew up with the X-Men. I love the X-Men. And. I just don't feel like it's my X Men anymore. I mean, I guess that's why I haven't bought an X Men in. What was it 2016, 2015, 2016? I bought, was my last time I bought an X Men. And uh, I just, I don't know, guys. I don't know. It just doesn't feel right anymore. That's a shame because I really, really loved that story i love the brand i love the characters but it seems like everything has changed and i don't know about this anymore it's um i don't know if it's just because i've gotten older and i don't see things in the same light or what but it's it's all changed everything All right, gang, thank you for coming in for this last, what, uh, 17 weeks, 18 weeks, and listening to me talk about nerds and comics and movies and toys and cartoons and everything that I could find that I thought would be interesting. So, hopefully, I will be back next year with season three. Um... Hopefully I'll be recharged and ready to go at it again after this little hiatus. Well, it's not a little hiatus. It's it's a six-month hiatus. So we'll see what happens. Um, you can always come follow me at theworldofmyth.com. I, I do write a monthly um, serial called Through the Eyes of Madness. It's a murder mystery. Plus I put intermittent different stories whether it be sci-fi or humor or or fantasy or horror um and come check it out and uh we'll see if i come back next time next next season uh i don't know we'll see what happens okay kids all right for this season of my public life as an american nerd i am your host david k montoya And I finally bid you adieu.